I want to tell you that I, uh, I love and I missed you. I listened on the internet to the message that was given last week, and we are in very good hands. Wes, Pastor Wes and Pastor Fred and Rob and Jenny and Autumn, the people that participated in the service, did such a wonderful, wonderful job of sharing the very issue of what we are trying to teach and learn for ourselves. And that is we are to pass on. We are to pass on the very message that the Lord God has given to the apostles who passed it on to the next generation and the next generation and on and on it came until it landed in our laps. And so as a church, we have a very healthy perspective of what and who we are as a group of believers. And that is simply to be a a group of people who will pass on to the next generation the wonders of our Savior and our Lord, Jesus Christ. And so, you know, I, I missed you so much last week. It's, it, it's not fun being away, although I had a good time. Don't, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed every second of it. I got to spend time with my family. I got to spend time with my son, who is my hero. And I just loved having that time with my family. But I missed you. You are as much part of my family and my life and my heart as my own blood would be. I love and miss you so much. And as I said to you, I heard over the internet what a great job Pastor West did last week. It just was remarkable. As a matter of fact, after the uh, the second service on Sunday morning, uh, a gentleman came to him and he led this gentleman to Jesus Christ in the multipurpose room. And that's what we're all about, to pass on to the next generation the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And so we're excited about the next generation of believers. We're living out, we believe as a church, we believe we're living out what it means to pass it on. And one of the values of passing it on is we begin this being our fourth, happy anniversary by the way, this is our fourth anniversary. And as we celebrate this, our, our fourth year as we begin our fourth year of ministry at the Rock Community Church, our emphasis is going to be on becoming an Acts 2 church. I'm going to try to teach you the best of my ability, the best I know how, how we are to become that type of church. We're not going to mince words. We're going to teach what the Bible says, says we are to teach. We are going to be a church that hopefully, as a group of people, are continually devoted to the things of God. And that is the teaching of His Word, the fellowship that we have with one another, communion when we have communion, but you can have that on your own as well, praying for one another, the privilege of tithing or giving unto the Lord, and ultimately that we would be a church when doing those things we would praise and worship our Almighty God. That's what was passed on to the apostles from Jesus Christ Himself, and that's what we want to pass on to you. And so would you please turn with me to Psalms 119. Psalms 119. We're not going to go into any other places in Scripture. We are going to look at this most glorious psalm because this particular psalm is the very bedrock of the Word of God. It is the bedrock. Pastor West taught last week just just listen to, to 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. I know I want you to be in Psalms 119. But Paul said to Timothy, the things which you, you Timothy, 
have heard from me, says Paul, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these things to faithful men and women who will be able to teach others also. And we are the others. Paul gave to Timothy the privilege of what the gospel meant. Said, Timothy, pass this on to the next generation, to faithful men, faithful women, who then in turn, when you and I are off the face of this earth, Timothy, they will pass it on to others. And so the pass on ministry has begun. The challenge that you and I have as believers is to pass on what we have been taught. Let me give you a little insight of the group that played up here, the heartbeat of these people. We're going to show you, after the service is over, a seven-minute video that was done by Dave. I haven't asked permission. This is the gentleman that has done it. Stand up. I want you to see him. I want you to look at him. Look at this face. This face. He is so gifted. He is so talented. What you did is incredible. You're going to see it in a little while. This video will show you and me what is happening within our four walls. If it doesn't excite you, I don't know what will. This is the premise. The premise is is that we pass on. We pass on what we have been taught to the generation who then passes it on to his son who is here faithfully every week. And in time, who knows what God is going to do in his life, but he might be able to pass on to the next generation after we're gone the things of Jesus Christ. Unless you and I learn these things, unless we understand these things, we will not be able to pass it on. We won't know what we're passing on to the next generation. And so as you're going to watch this video later on, what you're going to see is how, how amazingly our church has caught the vision from, from us who are older to those who are younger. The whole idea of passing on the gospel that has been given to us. And we'll never have to apologize. We won't have to apologize to the Lord when we stand before him because he will have said, well done, I'm, I'm convinced of it. He will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your peace and your rest because we have done what God has asked us to the best of our ability, what he has asked us to do. Let me give you an example. We had a, we had a, a, a student ministry retreat a, a few, a while ago. And, and, uh, and so Ralph Chandler went to the retreat grounds where our students were. Because our group is, we're just starting and all of that, there were, other, there were other churches there also with their student groups meeting. And as he was looking for our group, he went from cabin to cabin. And each cabin he went to, there was like a ruckus going on and, and, and games being played and, and all of this and that and the other. And he thought, no, this isn't it, this isn't it, until he, he got to where our group was and he noticed it was kind of quiet. He heard a voice and he walked up to the cabin and he heard Rob Selleck preaching and teaching the Word of God. And he saw our students sitting there with their Bibles in their laps, reading and, 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 and trying to grasp the things of God, the very purpose of going to a retreat. Not to, not to play games all the time, but to learn the Word of God. And then and there he came and he told me, now I know why Laura and I come to this church because we can entrust our children 
to the leadership of the student ministries. That they are not just playing games with our kids, but they're teaching our children the word of God. Folks, you and I need to catch that, that whole process. We have to catch this so that we understand what we are doing, so that when we are over and done with, we can pass it on to the next generation. And so I ask you please to turn with me to Psalms 119. In Psalms 119, I want you to see very clearly that you and I cannot pass on what we do not know. It's impossible. I used a couple of weeks ago the idea of baseball. When someone comes here and sees a baseball game, they don't understand at all. It's, it's, it's confusing to them, I would think. And yet we understand because we understand the rules. The same thing ought to be true about the knowledge of, of, our, of our Scripture, of our knowledge of, of our Savior. You see, knowledge does not necessarily come by common sense. It, it doesn't necessarily come by you and I getting older. Understanding and knowledge comes from the Word of God and understanding what was written within these pages that you and I hold in our laps. You're in Psalms 119. Look with me, please, at verses 98, 99, and 100. Let me, let me make my case before you this evening. In Psalms 119, verses 98 through 100, we see that age is not the teacher. The Word of God is what teaches us. In verse 98, it says, Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are mine forever. No, they are ever mine, it says in the New American Standard. Verse 99 says, I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. And verse 100 says, I understand more than the aged because I have observed your precepts or your teachings or your laws. You see, we understand more than someone who is older when we understand the Word of God. And so what we are passing on to our young people is a knowledge of Jesus Christ. I, by just honoring our young people who wore this T-shirt tonight, it says the Rock Community Church, but here on the side it says 180. Student Ministries, 180. That's our heartbeat. Our heartbeat is to pass on to the next generation the wonderful things of God. Pray with me, please, as we're going to take a look at Psalms 119 and watch how the writer speaks of the importance of the Word of God. Father, as we look at this great, great psalm, the chapter, chapter 119, Father, the largest chapter that you chose to put within the Word of God, may we diligently Look at it in such a fashion, Father, that it might touch our hearts, that it might become to us the very food, the very bread, the very water, the very meat that we eat upon so that we might grow in, in our strength and the knowledge of your word so that it might be the light that leads, leads us to the path of your righteousness. And so, Father, please... It says in Psalms 119, verse 18, Dear Father, would you open our eyes that we might behold wonderful things from your law. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. The writer of this psalm, which is called the Great Psalm, it's the longest 
chapter in the Bible. It has 176 verses. But it's not great because of its length. What makes it, or what it is commonly called as the great chapter, is is because the theme is understanding and knowing God and knowing His Word. Look what it says as he starts this whole process off in verse 1. In the first verse, watch the tone that is struck by the writer. That is, the tone to praise God for his, what he calls law, but what really translates to mean the word or the teachings of God. He says in verse 1, How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law, or really the teachings of the Lord. If the writer tells us that we will become blameless if we and blessed if we walk in the law of the Lord, then if the word or the law is so important, then when should you and I observe God's word? Let's see what the psalmist says here in this great chapter. Look at Psalms 119. Look at verse 147 and see what the psalmist says. In Psalms 100, no, in in verse 147, it says, I rise before dawn and I cry for help. I wait for your word, your word before dawn. Some of you will get up and read your Bible early in the morning. That's a good time. But look what else it says. In in verse 97, read with me. In verse 97, the psalmist writes, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. And so he says, well, not just before dawn, but all day long I am in love with your words. Look at verse 55. In verse 55, it says, Oh, Lord, I remember your name in the night. I keep your law. Verse 148 also says, My eyes anticipate the night watches that I might meditate upon your word. And so we see before dawn, it is a good time to read the Bible. All day long, it's a good time to read the Bible. At nighttime, it's a good time to read the Bible. And then lastly, verse 62, it says at midnight, At midnight I shall rise to give thanks to you. Because of your righteous ordinances. You see, it is our job to know and to study and to read God's word each and every day of our lives. Here at this church, we encourage you. We encourage you strongly to daily read your Bible. If it's only two or three, four, five minutes, we encourage you. When you watch this video, watch how... how these young people so caught the vision of being, being um, engrossed within the Word of God. How one young girl stayed up. They were having a party, an all-night party, a, a, a study, just fellowship. And, 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 and Jenny saw her up when everyone else was asleep and she was reading her Bible. And the reason she said she was reading her Bible was because she missed that day and didn't want to miss at all. So she stayed up extra late to read her Bible. It's a blessing, folks. 
Psalms 119 does not offer an outline, so to speak. What it does offer are themes. Let's take the time, just now, the few remaining minutes, to see some of the themes that are written within this great chapter. And see see if, any, if it means anything to you. See if it means anything to us as a church in becoming an Acts 2 type church. Do you remember what God says in Acts chapter 2, verse 42? He says this, I want you to be a people who are continually devoted. That's the key. Continually devoted to the apostles' teaching. Continually devoted to fellowship, communion, prayer, giving of our finances, praising and worshiping God. Some of the themes in Psalms 119 are verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. Read with me. How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk. Walk means a habitual pattern of life. In the Hebrew, the word walk means a habitual pattern of life. In other words, to be continually devoted, to habitually walk in the law of the Lord In other words, in the teachings, in the Word of God. Verse 2, how blessed are those who observe His testimonies, who seek Him, how? With all of their hearts, continually, complete devotion. The word heart refers to our intellect, our uh, volition, uh, our emotion, uh, our choices. Look with me at verses 10 and 11. It says, with all my heart, verse 10, I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Verse 11, your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Look at verse 34. Verse 34 says, give me understanding that I may observe your law and keep it with all my heart. Our hearts are are the the very intellect of who we are. It is the very essence of you and I that we ought to crave the Word of God like we crave water or, or food. There ought to be a complete and continual commitment, a whole heart as is suggested in verses 10 and 11 and verse 34. Verse 3 now, look. They also do no unrighteousness. How? When they walk in His way. In other words, when they continually do what God has commanded them to do, when they continually concentrate and, and, and meditate upon the Word of God. You want to be a, a better believer, a better Christian, a better person? And continually be devoted to the Word of God. Verse 4 says, You have ordained your precepts that we should keep them, how? Well, diligently. To keep God's word diligently. The psalmist in, the, in Psalms 1, 2, in, in verses 1, 2, 3, and 4, passionately desires you and me, the reader, to diligently obey the word of God, to be a people who are continually devoted to the apostles' teaching. You see, The theme of Acts 2 
42 to verse 47 is the idea of you and me becoming a church, a people who are continually devoted to the things of God. And that theme runs throughout the whole of Scripture. You find it in the New Testament just as you do in the Old Testament. We are to be a people who are continually devoted with all of our hearts to the Word of God. And this continual devotion brings blessings to your life and my life beyond our wildest dreams. Let's look at Let's see them. Look further with me in Psalms 119. Look at verses 5 and 6. Verse 5 and 6 brings the psalm into the level of being personal, of being a personal relationship between you and God. You see, church was never to be a place where we became your relationship with God. Church was to be a place where we learn the Word of God, where we have fellowship and encourage one another, where we uh, have communion and remember who God is, when we pray with one another, when collectively we gather together and do things that we couldn't do alone. But church was always to be a place that leads you and me into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not a place that you come here so that you might be... uh, blessed by the church and be saved. No, you come here to learn. You are blessed because you have made a personal decision to follow Jesus Christ. Look at verses 5 and 6. As I said, Oh, that, note my ways may be established to keep your statutes. Verse 6, Then I shall not be ashamed when I look upon all your commandments. You see, it is a place that we gather to understand the Word of God so that it becomes personal in your life and my life. When you go from here tomorrow, if you're not going to come to church and not going to be participating, although some come tomorrow and still help and and have a ministry, but if you're not, it should not take you away from the whole idea of meditating upon the Lord. It should be a daily process in your life. When? In the dawn. All during the day. At midnight, during the night, when you wake up at night, you can't sleep. I'll tell you how to go to sleep. Pick up the Word of God. Start to read it. Satan won't want you to. You'll go, oh, man, you'll just fall asleep. (laughs) Understand. Get to know the Bible. Make it a part of your heart and your life. Be continually devoted to the things of God. And that is a personal decision that you must make. Verse 6, 7 says, I, I, I shall give thanks. Scripture provokes a a devotion of praise that we would thank God for, for, for who He is and what He has done in our lives. Verse 7, look, I shall give thanks to you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. Folks, you and I cannot learn without knowing and studying the Word of God. It has to be a part of your life. And you must do it on your own as well as collectively when we gather together so that you understand the things that you are learning. And this worship, this worship of praise, this worship of righteousness before God comes and protects you and me. And it protects us when we start to internalize, when we start to really grasp what the Bible is saying, not only within our minds, but it moves into that place we call our hearts, when it becomes a part of us. Look at verses 9, 10, and 11. How can a young person keep their way pure? 
Simple. By keeping it according to your word. How are we going to know how to keep our ways pure unless we understand God's word? The psalmist writes in verse 10, with all of my heart, with all of my heart, in other words, a continual devotion, I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Look at verse 11. Your word, your word, God, your word, I've treasured in my heart so that I might not, what? Sin against you. That's your word. God's word does that. It gives us an understanding so that we meditate upon it. It becomes a part of our life so we will not sin against the Lord our God. Therefore, as verse 12 says, teach us. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. Teach me your law. Teach me your word so that I might know what I am meditating upon. Psalms 119 goes on and on and on with more blessings. I want to ask you to do something. I want you on your own this week to slowly read through Psalms 119. Don't read it in such a fashion that you start reading it and you can think about, you know, you start reading, oh, blessed are those whose way are blameless. And, you know, I got a, what are we going to do, a roast tonight? Or, uh, uh, geez, I got to clean out the... I know I should clean out the garage. And those who walk in the law of the Lord, no, get alone and try to filter out your mind so that you can just read the Word of God. And when you come to a nugget, a nugget to me is something that just touches your heart when you read it. Stop and meditate upon it. Ask the Lord, what do you mean by that to me? What do I need this for to you? How can I honor my family with this? All kinds of questions should come to your mind when you come to the Word of God and you start reading it in a place where you're quiet. And it doesn't have to be forever. It can be just a few moments. But let me tell you this. It more than likely will not be. It more than likely will go on because there's no more pleasant place to be than thinking and meditating upon the very heart of an almighty God. And know for certain that somehow, some way, you've touched the hem of his garment for that moment in time. Therefore, it says in verse 12, teach me, teach me. And so I, I, I challenge you and me this week to be taught by our Lord, to see the blessings that come our way in God's most precious word. And so we will be taught the word of God here in our church. We will teach it to all who enter in. We shall teach it to the younger people as well as those of us who are older. We'll teach it to you and we'll teach it to your friends who come here with you. We'll teach it to all who enter into our doors and we won't compromise on it because we know and we realize that it is the Word of God that will change a person's heart. Not activities. Not programs. The Word of God And in essence, folks, what else do you and I have to offer? What else do you and I have to pass on to the next generation other than the Word of God? Now I'm going to ask you to to move from Psalms 119. I want you to look at it this week. But I want you to turn with me now to Luke chapter 9. It's the only other place we're going to turn. Look at Luke chapter 9 and read with me when Jesus Christ 
challenged those who were following him. Watch what he says. And just think about it. Think about it when it comes into your heart. Think about it, what it might mean to you if you were standing there with the Lord and you overheard him say these words. In Luke chapter 9, verse 18, it says, It happened that while he, he meaning Jesus, was praying alone, the disciples were with him, and he questioned them, saying, Who do people say that I am? It says in verse 19, They answered and said to him, John the Baptist. Others say you're Elijah. Others say that you're one of the prophets of old who's risen again. And so he looks at them in verse 20. And he looks at you and he looks at me and he says, okay, 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 okay. And then he said to them, but who do you, who do you say that I am? I believe he set them up. I believe he asked them that question so that it started them to think, who do people say that I am? Okay. Who do you say that I am? And Peter, Peter answered and said, You're the Christ of God. In other words, you're the Messiah. You're God Almighty who's come here to this earth. It says in verse 21, and we won't go off on this rabbit trail, but he says, I, He warned them and instructed them not to tell this to anyone. I might add, not as yet. He's going to tell them later. I want you to go and tell the world about this truth of who I am. And then he says in verse 22, the Son of Man must suffer many things. He'll be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the scribes. He'll be killed and he will raise up on the third day. And then he says in verse 23, he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, they must deny themselves. They must take up their cross daily and follow me, Jesus said. Do you see any shadow of a doubt in the commitment that you and I are to make before the Lord? You see, churches teach too often this simple believism. You know, just believe, just believe, just believe, just believe. And go your merry way and do your merry stuff. And, and you don't have to worry. You don't have to change it's not what Jesus Christ taught. He says, if you're going to come after me, I want you to deny yourself. I want you to take up your cross and I want you to follow me daily. And then he said this, whoever, verse 24, whoever wishes to save their lives will lose it. But whoever loses their life for my sake, they are the ones who will save it. In other words, the person who wants to somehow, someway save himself, Jesus says they're going to lose it. They're going to lose themselves. You want to save yourself? He says, then lose your life for my sake. He says in verse 25, for what is a person profited if they gain the whole world and lose or forfeit themselves. 
And that's what we try to teach you here. What good is it for you and me to become successful and maybe in the process lose everything? What does it profit you and me to gain this whole world in which we live and yet forfeit, lose our souls? And then he says this in verse 26, which is, I read it and I read it and I read it, and all of a sudden, like a, like a bolt of lightning, he says, for whoever is ashamed of me, and what else? I don't know why that, that never hit me like it hit me this week. Maybe because we're studying about the importance of the Word of God. But think about it. Think what Jesus Christ says. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, he is placing his word as the same value as himself. Whoever is ashamed of me and my word, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes into his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Jesus Christ makes it crystal clear to you and me folks that he, he's very, very concerned about your relationship with him and knowing his word. Whoever is ashamed of me and my word. And so we choose as a church to give the word of God the most important place, just as our Lord did. What I'm excited to do for you now, if you'd key up the video, is to see with me the second part of our student ministry video. I must confess to you, I've already seen it. And I must confess to you, I can't see it enough. I absolutely love it. I want you to see the young people, the students, and see what they say about their commitment to Jesus Christ and His Word. And I want you to see how they express what it means to know and to love God and to pass it on. Please, enjoy with me this wonderful seven-minute video of our young people who have written in permanent ink their faith in Christ. challenge. I put my name in permanent marker thinking it was going to be the easiest thing to do. I missed probably five weeks in the beginning. At the end, I realized that it was in permanent marker. It was permanent with God, too. It was my promise. So I went back and made up all the weeks. My life has just like evolved into this new thing. I'm for God, and it's pretty awesome that I know God is always with me. We're going to make a difference. I wasn't necessarily a Christian when I started coming to this church, but when I started 180, I really started getting to know everybody and started like coming closer to the Lord. And in the 180 challenge, I got that much closer because 
It probably takes 15 minutes to read the Bible verses, but I probably took maybe an hour, an hour and a half, because I'd go into like detail with them, because I really wanted to understand what I was reading. The challenge brought everyone really close together and closer to the Lord, and the Lord and all of us were just a family. I have to say my personality definitely changed since I started doing the 180 Challenge. My friends at school said that they were noticing that I was a lot more passionate about the Lord. I was just trying to imagine like if God was with me every day, like what would he think of how I acted? I actually joined a Bible study at school too, which is really different for me. I believed in God before, but I wasn't really a follower, I guess. Like I wasn't on the Christian path, but once I started going to 180 and took the 180 Challenge, I didn't I didn't see any reason for me not to be a Christian. I thought that it was the best path I could possibly take, so it's the one I took. Since I've been reading the Bible, I've kind of realized that no matter how hard it is to walk with Him in daily life, all our struggles will be worth it in the end. It's important for me to follow God because I see people around me at school, some of my friends that don't. It's just I believe in what He did for me. And I feel that if I didn't follow him, I'd kind of be letting him down. Well, I chose a college that was close to home because I want to serve in 180 as a leader once I graduate. It's an environment like I haven't really had before in other youth groups that I've been in. To live for Christ, in my opinion, is just making decisions that he would want you to make. Like before you make even small decisions like what music to listen to or what to say to your friend, is just thinking what would God want me to do in this situation. That's walking with Christ today. Well, before the 180 challenge, I didn't really read the Bible, and it was kind of a thing where I would go to church on Sunday and bring my Bible, and then afterwards put it under my bed and wait till next Sunday. After the 180 challenge, reading the Bible daily became like a lifestyle for me. And where if I didn't read the Bible, it felt like something was missing. I'm constantly rethinking what my choices are. And if I'm put in a situation where I don't feel comfortable, then what I've learned is what is wrong, what's right. And I can make that choice a lot easier than before. We had a girl sleepover and it was 12.50 in the morning. And I look over and there's one girl sitting up in the midst of everyone asleep reading. Emily was listening to her iPod reading her daily reading for that day. Before the 180 challenge, I did have a walk with Christ. Of course, he knew about me and everything, but I didn't really know much about him. It seemed like I got to know God so much more, and he just poured out his Holy Spirit on me. I started a Bible study at my house because I kind of noticed something in my relationships with my friends that we had good relationships, but there was kind of an absence of God in our relationship. I kind of asked specifically one person if they wanted to ask Christ into their heart. So we prayed together, and from then on, we just have been a stronger group of friends because we have a common God. People generally think that God can't use them, especially if they're younger, like a high schooler like me, because they rely more on their own strength. And, you know, that really has nothing to do with it. God's ways are like so not our ways. They're so much better. It's so important to me to follow Christ because I just really sense a need in my life to be led. 
Every week we continue to get new kids, sometimes up to four new kids in a single week. And it's exciting to see the growth. Kids come once and then come again and then make this their home. We are running out of room. We need to expand into a new building. We need to have places where we can do refreshments, places where our small groups can join and gather together and go over the Word of God. We'll have more room in our new facility to spread out. When we break up into small groups right now, we have sometimes siblings back to back in different groups and they're listening and hearing what the other one's saying. So we try to spread out the groups and and break them up in such a way where there is privacy, but it's hard when you're confined to a small area. So our, our new area will give us places to actually have established locations for each group to go. In student ministries, we do not compromise. It's not a holding place with pizza. It's not about entertainment. Our focus is on Christ. We teach the word line upon line, and we have chosen to specifically raise the bar for our students. Our junior high and high school students are capable of walking with Christ we already have students who are using their giftedness. We can see evangelists, encouragers, shepherds, leaders rising up amongst our students. In 15 years, when these students are 30, think about what a dynamic church we will have. They're gifted and they are part of the body of Christ now. It's not when they become a part of our church family. They can serve him right now. Did you hear some of the things that were said? This young fella, Adrian, went to school nearby so he could be involved, so he could become a shepherd to these young people. Gabby started to walk with the Lord closer, reading the Word of God so that it would change her life. Paul wrote this down in permanent ink because he wanted to permanently make a statement to his God. Emily said she read her Bible only on Sundays before, but now she reads her Bible daily. Autumn started a Bible study in her home so that her friends could grow closer to the Lord. And one of her friends, she asked, do you have Christ in your heart? And her friend said no, and she led her friend to Christ. And now they have this common bond that she said. Rob, who teaches who is a gift from God to this church. Jenny, who coordinates and helps to lead, she says that this church is not a place where we're holding den for your children until, until the service is over with. It's not a place where they're going to have pizza. They're going to they're learn the word of God line upon line like we do. People, this is a good church. What you just saw was a powerful image of, of who we really are. And Rob expresses that there is a need for space for our students to grow in their faith. We need to be a part of that, of that next generation to help them move along. When you see a girl named Autumn, 15 years old, owning her faith, passing it on to her friends, it ought to give you and me a hope for our future. I want to challenge you. If you're saying right now in your heart, you know, I haven't done anything to pass it on, and 
And I, it's a little bit late for me. I'm a little older. I want you to know, no. If you're still living and you're still breathing, you have a ministry to pass on to someone else. You too can be a part of this body called the Rock Community Church. You can stuff envelopes. You can pray. You can serve coffee. You can greet people. Whatever. Some of you today are going to be led by the Spirit of God to give financially to support the the construction and the the build-out of our student ministry area. We estimate that that we need approximately $250,000 to complete the project. We haven't received all the bids yet, so we're not not certain of the amount. It's approximately that. But as it says in Acts chapter 2, being an Acts chapter 2 church, in verse 45, the believers were giving as they saw the need. It is our belief here at this church that the most current and most pressing need that we have is to deal with our young people, become an Acts 2 church,